welcome to Mo's 15, the reunion. I'm Hannah Gray now, but I was Hannah Goff. Um, my site was Kaunda in Tet province, and I was a secondary science education volunteer um, teaching biology, but I also taught some English as well. Hannah, what makes you happy? Time with my family and just Maybe I'll pass this one. Actually. Oh, no, no, no. You can't pass this one. That's a good answer. Uh, yeah, you can just keep it at that. <laughs> um, both my new family and um, my family before. Yeah, my original family. Family in all forms, however you make of it. <laughs> if someone didn't remember you, how would you describe yourself 10 to 12 years ago? So I was very young. I was one of the youngest volunteers. Um, I don't think I was the absolute youngest, but um, I was 21 when I got there. I'm pretty short, blondish, brownish hair um, from Michigan, pretty uh, sheltered, I would say, entering Peace Corps. <laughs> How did you get from Mozambique to wherever you are now? Now we live in the Madison, Wisconsin area, so still in the Midwest, but between there, there's been a few other stops. Um, moved out to Portland, Oregon after Peace Corps um, and eventually went back to nursing school and um, became a nurse, worked for a little bit out there, um, spent a little bit of time in Peru, not much, and then moved to um, Madison, Wisconsin. So location-wise, that's been the trajectory um, and kind of career-wise. And in the meantime, also got married to Ian, um, another Peace Corps volunteer, most 15er. Um, and we are still married and have a couple kids now. So that is kind of, we're pretty absorbed with our family life. <laughs> so, so you're a nurse? I am a nurse, yes. I thought you were doing something with childbirth or no? I am a NICU nurse. I originally went to nursing school after Peace Corps with the intent of becoming a midwife, like a certified nurse midwife, which would have been um, a nursing program and then a master's. And after I got through the first portion of just becoming the nurse and RN, I, um, found the NICU and decided that I wanted to practice for a little bit before thinking of going further to school. And um, after working for a while and kind of getting the taste of not being in school, I decided that I was pretty content <laughs> staying practicing as an RN. So I have done that since. Um, I've had a couple other brief stints and other types of nursing. Um, when we first moved, um, from Portland to Madison, I tried out working in a pediatric clinic, um, and I did not love it. And then conveniently, a pandemic hit while I was on maternity leave, and it gave me a really good excuse to quit. <laughs> so um, I ended up staying home for a year. And then after um, my son turned one, I went back to a NICU here, and that's where I've been since. So you're back at work now? I am, yes. Um, I have been in my current job for just over two years. Um, however, this past year, I've had some time off because I had another baby um, and she's had some health issues. So we have, I've been kind of in and out with that, but she's doing well now. So, yeah. Yeah, that's great to hear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She had open heart surgery just a month ago. So she's doing fabulous. So I have some questions about what it's like to work in the NICU. So my, our, our daughter spent maybe three nights or three days in the NICU. She had jaundice. Oh, really? Okay. It wasn't that serious compared to some of the other people th that were there. And it was pretty terrible just to go in. You can't touch your baby. The baby's just kind of sitting there crying. Yeah. <laughs> And a lot of those babies in there had no people there, which yes. I get, you know, you can't stay there the entire sure. time, especially if they're there for yeah. months. 
so what's it like in that environment? I mean, it's the, I love working there. Um, I've also, our second child, my daughter um, was in the NICU as well. So I was in my NICU. So I was on the other side as a parent, which was a pretty interesting experience. I think one reason that parents aren't there is because, and you can speak to this also, but um, like the baby hasn't been home yet. That's what I noticed between, because I spent time with my daughter in the NICU and then hospitalized later um and she had not been home yet so I felt comfortable <laughs> leaving at night and leaving kind of without her um but then once she was hospitalized later I felt really odd not having her home so it felt like one of us needed to be with her all the time um but it is just a pretty intense space and like I mean it's really hard to when a lot of families have other kiddos like you also have to take care of your kiddos and our NICU in particular we do like allow families to room in and try to make it a very like family-centered space but it's still not very comfortable especially if you're like postpartum trying to stay in a like on a cot and pump and like go to a shared bathroom and all that so I totally understand that parents don't spend a ton of time there, um, especially for kids that are there for like months, um, babies that are born like very prematurely. Um, but I think we try to do a good job at filling, like not letting babies cry and kind of snuggling them when we have time to do that. And um, it's a really like an honor to be able to take care of babies and that time and families during that transition. Um, to becoming parents or expanding their families. If my memory is correct, I don't think we were allowed to stay there overnight. It's very possible. Like my last NICU in Portland, Oregon, the babies didn't have private rooms, so you couldn't stay at the bedside. Um, there were just like armchairs you could bring over to hold the babies, but um, you definitely couldn't sleep there. And now I just think that's like crazy because we at least accommodate like a private room for our babies um, and their families now and give them a little bit of space because really it, it, it's hard to leave your baby at night or anytime during the day. <laughs> Not what you anticipate when you have your baby. Yeah. And Jamie, our, our daughter, uh, because she had jaundice, she, she was ever the, under the black light or, or the, the UV light or something. So we actually couldn't even hold her. Right. We could stick our hand in there and touch her belly or something a lot of the really small babies too you just can't get them out of bed that often or if they're really like critically ill um they can't really be held and um holding we try to like accommodate holding even when it seems really difficult and um that can mean a lot for families to get to hold their baby for the first time when they've been waiting for a long long time and now that I'm a parent like I started this career before I was a parent and it's just totally different to work now that I have my own kids I have a lot different perspective for um the experience so we also lived lived in Portland with you guys or not with you guys but at the same time as you guys so so you you were already thinking about having kids back then or no or not necessarily yes I mean I would say I was ready sooner than Ian we always wanted to live abroad again together before we had children. So um, in 20, we got married in 2016 and in 2018, Ian had a Fulbright to um, work on part of his PhD in Peru. So we went down there for nine months um, and that was really great to just have that experience together because we shared a lot of Peace Corps memories together, but it was not like actually living and having that time as a couple. So that was really important to us that we would get that experience before we had kids. So um, we were kind of waiting for that. And then um, we had our son in 2020, February 2020, which was a wild time to become parents. <laughs> what were you doing in, in Peru? Uh, nothing. So I didn't actually end up staying the entire time. I um, 
went down there with the hope of volunteering. I had just taken a leave of absence from my job, so I knew it would be there when I got back. Um, I was hoping to just find like some kind of public health work to volunteer with, and I was very unsuccessful. So I was kind of, oh, I did a lot of laundry by hand, like going back to my Mo's skills, but this time I had like a sink in the house, so that was really nice. Um, like cooking and I did a little bit like I tutored English to the neighbor's kids and um, I did volunteer in a hospital like briefly for about a month like doing nursing work but my Spanish was I mean it was pretty good but like not to the level where I felt like I was like should be providing like the actual nursing care on my own so I felt like I was just kind of in the way and it was interesting but like I didn't feel like I was contributing very much and it was like early early mornings and um ended up just deciding that that wasn't for me so I ended up actually finding a camp nurse position for that summer and left and went to the Berkshires and Massachusetts and worked at a summer camp while Ian stayed in Peru um for that summer for an all boys like sports camp and worked at the health center, which was really cool and fun too. And kind of like, when else am I going to get to do something like this? Um, and then went back and met Ian back in Peru for the last couple of weeks. And then we went back to Portland together at the end of that. So, <laughs> and it, it was an interesting year for us, <laughs> but, um, but it was good. He was really busy doing his, um, like his dissertation work for his PhD. And I don't want to steal his thunder too much for whenever he does his interview, but um, it gave us just time to kind of do things on our own. And we had a really nice time there and got to travel a lot together, but um, kind of just a unique opportunity to, for me to get to go do the camp nursing and then um, him to really hunker down and work. What is most surprising about you now, considering who you were in Mozambique? Yeah, I thought about this question and I wasn't sure if I should answer it like surprising to myself or surprising to yeah. others. Um, surprising to others, I I don't really know if there would be that much. Um, I don't think I've like changed personalities a ton. Um, but surprising to myself, I guess just especially after I've listened to everyone that's been out so far and um, there are definitely a lot of people who like stayed within the global health world and that's like extremely inspiring and definitely something I was very passionate about at the time and when I like decided to try to do the midwifery thing I think I was thinking like so I can eventually work abroad and um that is not where I'm at now um and I think similar like on that vein which maybe you agree with this as a parent as well like I remember my sister when she had kids saying I just feel like a shell of myself <laughs> I feel a little bit like that now like the things that I was really passionate about like I still care about them deeply but I just have not spent very much time thinking about that anymore and I feel when I reflect on that like that definitely makes me sad, but it's just a different time in my life. I don't know if you relate to that feeling at all <laughs> since becoming a parent yourself. Or... I can definitely relate. And even to, to build on that, you just don't even have time to even think about caring about that very often. Either. <laughs> no. And it's like, I know it's hard, like people who don't have kids, I'm sure get really annoyed of people who have kids being like, you just don't have time to do it. But it, man, it becomes real real true and I think we thought when we had decided to like have a family that we would still be able to incorporate a lot of our passions and we certainly have but we've definitely had to like modify which ones and pick and choose pretty carefully what we're gonna put our time into well, yeah because everything compounds if you don't get a good night's sleep then your interactions with the kids are bad. If your interactions with the kids are bad, you're more annoyed, you're more stressed. I mean, like everything just compounds. Yes, and just keeping everyone happy makes makes 
the day go a lot smoother, even if that means like mac and cheese and a little bit of super Y in the morning. <laughs> that just goes a long way. Um, but yeah, so that I think after, I think I had forgotten that until listening to some of our most 15 colleagues <laughs> and seeing what they have been doing. What was it like having a newborn during the pandemic? I mean, it was isolating, I would say, but also like what amazing time because how terrible things were for a lot of people with lockdown. Like we had a newborn, Ian got to work from home. I like stayed home with my baby and it was like, we kind of lucked out. So, I mean, I would never wish the pandemic to happen again, but we were really just kind of cozy becoming a family. And that was really, really nice. Um, but isolating in the sense that like when I pictured my maternity leave, I was like, I'm going to just like cruise through Target and drink my Starbucks with my baby in the carrier. And it was like, he did not like go to a store until he was like six months old. So, um, and even not like things we're doing with him, we're like, wow, this is like the first time he's really gotten to do this in his whole life. And um, so it was intense, but I think if I could choose like what life or what like stage of my life I would want to choose the pandemic for, that would probably have been one that I would have chosen. <laughs> so, Did Peace Corps prepare you at all for the lockdown? Um, yes, I guess just in terms of like being more comfortable being isolated and um, not being as self-conscious about the fact that I do like enjoy time just at home. I think I'm definitely more introverted and more of a homebody than I would have described myself prior to Peace Corps. And so I'm more okay with it, I guess. And so that was nice to like have an excuse to just dig into that during the lockdown. Have you picked up any new hobbies? No, I really couldn't think of anything. I mean, the only thing I could think of was I got like pretty into yoga while we were in Portland, um, like joined a yoga studio and was doing that a lot because I was working a nursing schedule without kids, which is like amazing. You work like 12 hour shifts. So you have a bunch of days off. Um, and yeah, so I was, I had time to like, I was on three soccer teams. I was in a yoga studio. I was like doing all those things, but like, even like soccer was something I did at my site in Peace Corps. So that wasn't a new hobby. And now I don't really do yoga much anymore. So I can't, can't really claim that as a new hobby. But other than that, like the things I do to stay busy are like exercise, read um like spend time with my family and those i would say were my hobbies then too so how many peace corps weddings have you attended i think just one i think audrey's which you were at as well i remember seeing you and helen there um and then our own i mean i was at ian's wedding so i guess i can count that and we had a decent peace corps turnout there um at our wedding um it was a lot of actually like most 14ers and most 16ers because Ian's site was, he um, staggered. So he, we, and in Central, I feel like we got to know the most 14ers pretty well. Um, so, but yeah, we had a good turnout at ours. Who was the last Mozambican you either saw or spoke to? I got a Facebook message recently from one of my um, teacher colleagues just he checks in every couple years I would say um, just quick updates nothing super substantial but it's always nice to kind of hear from someone back at site how have your politics changed I would say that I was probably I thought I was liberal when I went to Peace Corps and I don't really think I was. I think I was probably more conservative than I thought. And I would definitely describe myself as left now. Um, but I grew up in a pretty conservative town. And um, I just had did not have much exposure to 
anything else. Um, and I would say even still leaning very far left, I think I have a little more space for like hearing the right side of things. My um, dad was very, very conservative and I have trouble when people like attribute personality traits with politics because I have I had that relationship with my dad where I felt like he was very conservative but also like a very very good person so I get a little defensive when um I hear people kind of and that's not true of everyone but I'm not sure of all liberals but a lot of people on the left will like attribute some kind of mean personality traits to conservatives and I try to defend that a little bit if that I hope I don't offend anyone with what I've just said I'm always very nervous <laughs> I actually agree with you it's almost some of these people have maybe never really met a conservative or gotten gotten to know a conservative my in-laws did like they will say they like had never talked to anyone who was conservative before meeting my dad which was just like surprising to me and so it has that's definitely been like I kind of have to remind them sometimes when <laughs> they are they are saying things that there are or there were my dad has said to me but there there were some good conservatives out there um and anyone listening who falls on that side, like, I hear you. <laughs> Let's go pre-Peace Corps. Why did you join the Peace Corps? I was around a pretty, like, motivated friend group all through high school and college. And I didn't really feel like I knew what I wanted to do when I was in college. Um, I really wanted to, like, study abroad, but didn't really feel like that was in the cards for me my family didn't travel much and like financially it would have been a stretch to try to study abroad um and so and then I ended up figuring out that I could graduate in three years from college I had enough like credits going in from high school and so I felt like I had a little bit more time to kind of play around with before I had to get serious or whatever I thought when I was 21 but um so I thought Peace Corps would be a good option to both get abroad and do it in a financially attainable way um and I liked the idea of it being like pretty immersive so I was very intrigued by it and my process for getting in was pretty um pretty long as I think you'll ask as well, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to do. I, I've been surprised at how quick some people have have recalled their process. Yeah, mine was not. So I got nominated very quickly, but um, I had an underage drinking ticket while I was in college and I reported it during my application and I ended up on like pause legal clearance for months like I think I got my I was trying to look back through emails I think I got my nomination in like October or November of the year before and I got my like final legal clearance maybe in like August of the next year so it was a long long time and really stressful for me um and it was extremely frustrating because I had when I got my MIP, like I did all of this work to get it off my record. I went through a whole program. I did breathalyzers like every morning before my classes. I had to like do random breathalyzers for three months and did a lot. And then I felt like it was still somewhere. So I was very nervous, like not putting it on my application. So even though it was supposedly off my record and I would never have to report it, I did. And then it ended up, I was like, this is going to keep me from getting into Peace Corps. And it didn't in the end, but it made it to be like a very stressful process. And then once I got legal clearance, I got the invitation like very quickly after that. And 
I think I found out about Mozambique. It was like five weeks before we left that I got the in the mail packet. What was your major? Biology. And you didn't know what you're going to do with it? Like when I was in college or with Peace Corps? Well, yeah, you said you joined the Peace Corps because you weren't sure what you wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, I was like waffling between like public health or medical school. Like I did not think about nursing at all. Um, but I was, those were kind of like, do I want to go into like clinical work or kind of theoretical work? I knew I was interested in health, but not really sure how I wanted it to play out. Um, or education. Like I think I was toying with the idea of becoming a teacher too. So it, I figured I just needed some time and some exposure to the world. <laughs> um, and yeah, it ended up, I mean, biology led me to nursing then eventually and made it pretty easy to transition for that. So. Did you have any fears about going to Mozambique? Yeah, I mean, I'm like still a very safety nervous person. Like being... I don't enjoy staying home alone still. Like I have this thing called a buddy bar that I put under the doors when I'm home alone just to like make it so I would hear an intruder before like I couldn't get in with the force of the door and, and I set up like booby traps like home alone style around the house. So I'm like still a very nervous person. So that would have been like my biggest fear is like being afraid that someone was going to like hurt me or break into my house, which happened to a lot of people. And I feel awful that it did, but I ended up at a site that I felt extremely safe at um, because it was so small and I was so visible that I think it kept me feeling really safe that everyone would know if something happened to me and people were pretty protective of me. Okay. We'll probably come back to this, but did you have a site mate or roommate? No, no. And I asked for one, like in training, when we could put a request in, um, I requested a roommate, actually Michelle and I like requested, maybe she didn't, but (laughs) 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 Um, no, I think we, we requested to be site mates and, um, I ended up like opening a new site by myself. So it was like a far cry from what I had asked for. Um, but it ended up being great, which we'll talk more about, but Yes. So that was one of the reasons I requested a roommate was I was like worried that I would feel scared all the time. What do you remember most about Namasha and training? Um, like the social aspect of it, which probably should be, but that is definitely like, I just remember the meeting all the volunteers and being so impressed with everyone and um, just like, get hearing all like all these different people that came from so many different places and how we all ended up there and um and I mean I feel like I can't say that I don't remember meeting my now husband (laughs) there that's a pretty big deal about (laughs) what I remember about training in the matcha but um but yeah that is I had a great host family and that was a great experience but the social aspect of it definitely sticks out more than anything. Did you start dating Ian in Namasha? Um, not really. I mean, we became interested in each other towards the end of training. It definitely wasn't right away. We were on the opposite sides of the alphabet, which a lot of the stuff at the beginning was like alphabet based, I think. Um, and then I think like it was model school that we kind of started talking and, um, became pretty interested in each other like right at the end and then he did come up to Tet for New Year's that first year and I was like okay if he's doing that he's probably pretty interested as well so I would say that was like when it kind of became more like official-ish I guess that we were both mutually going to put in the effort to see each other um so yes but then it was throughout the whole service from then on so all right so this is perfect let's transition to your mozambique service what three words would you use to describe your peace corps experience i'd say isolation um my site was pretty isolated i 
didn't have cell phone service, which you didn't as well, correct? Where you enforced some of the other ones? We had service almost. Yeah, we definitely had service. We didn't have electricity. So I had electricity. I We got cell phone service when the like new server, there was like a new, I can't remember what it was called. Vodacom, MCell, Movitel. Ian's not supposed to be listening, but he just chimed in there. Um, <laughs> um, Movitel came. So like the last like four or five months at site, I had cell phone service. Um, and I actually got a satellite phone my second year. Um, because really? I raised a little, yeah, I raised a little bit of a stink um, after my first year that I felt like it was like unfair that I had to, I was pretty shaken up by the um, the car accident that happened. I was back in the U.S., but um, Mark's accident. Um, and we had been in two car accidents, Ian and I together as well during my first year. And I just was really like traumatized by travel and I felt like really nervous that I had to leave my site to have any contact with anyone outside of my site. So I talked to um, Carl, the director about it, and they got me a satellite phone and gave me like permission to use it. If I like felt like I just needed to like send my mom a text or something, you know, like so that, um, that helped but yeah so isolation what what was the size of your satellite phone it was like the like a zach morris phone okay. from saved by the bell um and yeah like some of the people at my site saw me using it and were like what is that <laughs> um but yes it was pretty clunky and i didn't like have it on all the time i just turned it on like if i wanted to send a quick message because like i'm sure I mean, I imagine in the 60s when people started doing Peace Corps, like they didn't reach out to their families and they just had to wait to hear from them. But like in this day and age, I feel like my parents would get pretty nervous if they wouldn't hear from me for weeks. And so that gave me an opportunity to like tell them, like check in once a week and say like, I'm still alive, <laughs> I'm here. So, um, so yeah, that. And then growth would be another word just because I think like I said I was really young and sheltered going into the experience so I think I grew a lot as a person um and I I have to say love because I did meet my husband there so <laughs> gotta throw that in <laughs> what do you miss most about Mozambique I think just that other people have said this too and I echo just the pace of things and um just like having to just, if I'm worried about something, like there's nothing you can do about it right now. So you just have to kind of sit with it and let it be. And I spend like so much time ruminating now and like trying to change things. And like, there was just, you just kind of had to go with it. And I miss that about the interactions with other people and how it challenged me to myself as well what do you miss least about Mozambique um the transit definitely like traveling became extremely stressful it always was but at the beginning it was like comical and then it became scary and um yeah we were in a pretty bad like rollover accident in our first year like in the the winter holidays or mid mid-year holidays I don't know what they were called it was like June or July up going to Ilya and we were fine and then on the way down to you were in a shop yeah we were in a shop that like I think a tire blew and it just like spun rolled over a couple times and we were in the back and like scrunched in with our backpacks like in front of our like holding like embracing them you know like you used to do and I think that like protected us pretty well um and walked away just fine and then just had to like hail another shopa <laughs> to keep going and um we were also like traveling illegally like not reported to peace corps so that um 
like made it extra scary that we didn't even like tell them that we were in this accident and just kept going. Um, I want to say, I mean, I, I know there were four of us. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yes, and then on the way to Maputo for like going home for the first or the second Christmas we were there. And Mona was with us too in this one. And it was a like the nice bus that went overnight um, all the way down to Mapuchu. And that ran into a logging truck like that didn't have its lights on. And just like the logs like impaled the front of the bus. And we were fine again. But um, it was really scary. And it was in the middle of the night. So yes. So that is what I do not miss about. Mozambique and then like I said like I felt like I had to travel to do so much like just to make a phone call or to like communicate with any get any Peace Corps news like am I supposed to be at this conference like I have to go travel to find out about that or like anything I needed to buy my site had very little to buy like store wise so I could not get toilet paper at site that is for sure <laughs> How much did bread cost at your site in Medikaish? We didn't have bread at my site. <laughs> no, um, what did you have? I mean, they did. So that's kind of a lie because I did find one guy that made bread like my second year. Um, sporadically, he would make it and you'd have to get like a full pan of bread that was like little kind of like the little rolls, but not like the big, nice like Namasha bread. Um, at my site, you could get tomatoes and mangoes in season. Um, you could get like sardines, the dried fish that I fed my dog. And you could get like pasta and Cokes, <laughs> tuna, I think you could get. It's pretty limited. All right. How much was a shopper ride to Tet City? Oh, 60 minutes? maybe 50 50 or 60 yeah sounds about right how's your portuguese terrible when we lived in peru it any portuguese that i had definitely shifted to um and i say lived loosely like we weren't there that long but um shifted to spanish and now my spanish is also awful i've never been very good at languages I feel like I understand really well but my accent is always awful and that was like a really big barrier for me people just not understanding both in Moz and then in Peru um but there are some Ian and I were talking about like words Portuguese words that we still use and like that don't have a good equivalent like we still say like okay who's the chefy of this tonight um and then like fujir is one that I feel like doesn't have a good equivalent and um demorar did i say that right like to my my portuguese is among the worst in the group for sure <laughs> um but yeah just to like delay and just like i mean our son does that all the time just like stall is like a better word for it but it doesn't do do your kids know those words no i wouldn't say so um Oddly, like for some reason, Ian's dad has taken it upon himself to teach our children Spanish and he's not a Spanish speaker. And it's like very odd. He like is terrible at Spanish, but he really thinks that we're like missing the boat by not teaching them Spanish at home. And like, we should be just speak. He like, he exclusively speaks like his elementary level Spanish to our children for some reason. Um, it's very odd. <laughs> what are a few things you did a lot in Mozambique that you either never or rarely do now? Journal would be the biggest thing. Like, because I was so isolated, I like looked forward to writing in my journal every day. And like some days I would like be like, man, I already did that. I can't do that again. How how many journals did, did you fill? Um, probably four, I would say I did. I mean, every day, not when I was traveling or anywhere, but like at site every single day I would write. Um, not like a ton, but pretty much just whatever I couldn't say out loud because no one was there to listen to me. 
Um, I would just write down and I didn't end up reading them before I talked to you. And the couple of times I have gone back, I'm like, wow, these are like not deep thoughts. These are just like my ruminations about like what <laughs> worrying about like, am I going to get the vacation time to go at this? Like, is my director going to approve this? And just like annoying to read. <laughs> um, but yes, a lot of worry went into those. What was your malaria adherence plan? Um, I took the larium at first for quite a few months. And then I had like a really bad hallucination dream where like I came to when I was like standing in the middle of my room thinking that I was like being attacked by like a puppy sized insect of some sort like it was in my mosquito net and I was like jumped out and like stood there and it took me a long time to realize that that was not real and so I was done with larium after that um so I switched to doxy I think um but one like thing that I learned in nursing school when we were doing all our like antibiotics and whatnot was like one main thing about doxy is that like is contraindicated with birth control. And I think Peace Corps was sending a lot of volunteers birth control as well as doxy and not counseling them that it might make your birth control ineffective. So that's my little bone to pick with Peace Corps medical staff. Well, ho hopefully they've figured that out by now. I would hope so, but man, seems like a big net to fall through there. <laughs> What's the worst thing you did in Mozambique or the most trouble you could have gotten into to find that however you would like? Um, definitely like traveling without Peace Corps approval. I spent a lot of time away from site, especially my first year. Not like, like I wasn't like skirting responsibilities at school, but like my school would take, a, it was like a pretty out there school and it would take a long time to get like back started up after the holidays and the couple times I would be there at the start it was like man no one is here like what are we there wouldn't be classes for like a couple weeks and so I would use that to extend my my holidays a little bit as well and like I said like not report it and then get into car accidents and be like man this is kind of dangerous so should the Peace Corps not give us limited amount of travel days? I think as long as you're like being, having, like doing your job and being responsible there, I don't think so. No, I mean, I think, I think a lot of people would be more honest about things and make like safer choices if you weren't worried about like not being approved for vacation. I don't regret any of the vacations that I took, like getting to see the country and um, like getting outside of my site. I don't think I missed out on a ton of like immersive experiences at site when I was traveling. Cause like I said, a lot of the other teachers would also travel and be gone during the off season. So even when like I'd stay there for weekends, which I did a lot more my second year, um, like a lot of the teachers would be gone and it would just kind of be pretty like, quiet at sight. And um, I mean, there's value in that as well. But yeah, I, I think they could re-examine their travel policy for sure. Do you have any funny stories to share? One thing that was funny to me was I was reading the blog of a volunteer, like a couple after me, and he wrote like a an ode to my house <laughs> and he called it like the kaleidoscope house and in it he wrote like maybe because she was just so like delirious with boredom but she decided to paint her house like all different colors <laughs> and it was just kind of funny because it was true like that's what was happening <laughs> um but yeah I had I um painted I first of all I had to wire my house for electricity because I did have electricity you did or you hired someone I did wow I mean that the physics teacher helped me a little bit but he like told me what to buy but I did it 
And because I just had like two outlets right by the doorway and the top of the wall and one light bulb. And so I had three rooms and just like could only light that. And it was like the first couple like months, I think I just like did that and just cooked right by there. And I got like an extension cord. And then I was like, this is my home for two years. I need to like step it up a little bit. So I like wired all my rooms and got lighting and then um, like made one a kitchen and that was great. And then I painted every room a different color. So it was bright and happy. <laughs> Do you know if there's still volunteers there now? I don't. I mean, they didn't close my site at any point. So I just don't know if like I, I think I lost track probably after like 2016 or 2017 like a couple I think I knew the three cycles after me um one of the guys reached out to me on Facebook and he was like I just have to clarify because people here say that you ran to Mavuzi Pont which was Eden site which is like 13k away every single morning <laughs> I was like that is false <laughs> but I'm glad that's what they think of me <laughs> How has or did your Peace Corps experience change you? And I think it just made, made me kind of check my privilege still to this day. Um, just made me more open to like hearing about other people's experiences and accepting that we all come from very different backgrounds. Um, whether within the U.S. or abroad, and I think just a lot more open-minded about things. Do you have any Fofoka to share? I do not, know. <laughs> I mean, just about us. We ended up getting married. <laughs> what do you think of Peace Corps as a government agency? I think it's good. I am curious how it has changed since they've changed the application process. Like, I think, I mean, and I think other people have spoken to this, like it attracts people that maybe don't have like the most qualifications for the job, but it also like used to attract when we applied, like people who are just willing to do whatever and really just flexible. And they challenged you many times like through the application process I felt very challenged and being patient and flexible and just going with the flow and then like with site placement again I felt like I was like okay I asked for this and I did not get that and um and it was okay and people say like well you'll end up loving whatever it is and it's like no because it attracted people who are gonna be okay with whatever it is you know like I think that was the a characteristic of a lot of us and that's why we were happy because we were just ready to be happy wherever um however now that it like you apply to a specific country and site i or like a, a specific country i think and program i just am curious how the like satisfaction rates are now and if that's done the job of attracting more qualified people or it's attracting people that are not as flexible anymore. So I, I shared some of the things I found on the Slack group, but the ET rates seem to be a lot lower the late 2000s and early 2010s than they are now. So that, so that would support your theory. If you go in expecting like a specific experience, you're probably going to be disappointed. Um, but if you go in like being willing to take whatever they throw at you, like you might not, as other people have said too, like that's challenging for mental health in a lot of ways. I think the the type of people it attracted when we applied was probably different than now. Would you do Peace Corps again? Um, I would. Not right now. I would definitely like if I could go back and tell my 21 year old self like in, in the future, would you do it in the future from now? Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, <laughs> probably. I mean, you never know. We have um, our six month old that we had last year has Down syndrome. So that will probably play out in a lot of 
different ways that we're able to make decisions as parents later in life. And um, like, I don't know if going abroad for two years would be something that we would be able to do. But um, I think traveling is definitely something we would want to incorporate in our family. And we're going to transition to post-Mozambique media recommendations. Okay, well, yeah, what, what do you got for us? You got any music? Mm, no, not really. I have a show. Okay. But, um, <laughs> oh, wait, live performance, I mean. So I the only music thing I have is we, Ian and I have seen the Avid Brothers like every year since we've been back. That's, and I don't know if we have it planned for 2023, but um, we just really like them and it's been fun to kind of just see them in different venues and one of the venues in Madison um was like the smallest one we've seen them and I was pretty pregnant and we went kind of last minute and it was in 2019 so like our last show before the pandemic and it was really fun and awesome so that was my favorite live performance but I'm not really a music buff and I've become much less so in the last few years <laughs> so um but yes that live performance um books I have a couple that I wrote down um I read quite a bit when we were in Peru because like I said I I wasn't really doing anything so I tried to like read a fair amount and my favorite fiction book that we read there was Pachinko which I think is a maybe on Apple TV or HBO now. I haven't watched it, but I really like like generational saga books that like go through multiple generations. And um, that's a really good one by Min Jin Lee. And nonfiction, um, Scott Kelly's book about his, time, his year in space called Endurance is pretty interesting. Um, and like, really makes you feel like you weren't that isolated in Peace Corps. <laughs> um, but that was a good one. Um, so I really liked watching The Wire. That's an old one, but that's like probably my favorite show that I've watched since we've been back, even though it was out long before <laughs> Peace Corps. Um, I watched it like during when our three-year-old was a newborn and like the things he was exposed to while I watched that show <laughs> are kind of funny to think um podcast I will confess that something that I'm kind of embarrassed about is I like am deep into the bachelor franchise and I like listen to podcasts about it and <laughs> just you know Drew's and... gonna start messaging you about about this now right no, I didn't. Is he a bachelor person? Oh, probably. Yeah, he's he's definitely going to message you. You know, I should like reach out to him about making a podcast ourselves because I really think I have a lot of good content. <laughs> but yeah, so there's a specific bachelor podcast that I listen to and it's just like this whole, like I swear I only watch it so I can like read my favorite recaps and listen to my podcast about it and um, it's ridiculous. So anyway, Bachelor Nation podcast. That's the one I listen to. No, Bachelor Party. Bachelor Party. Sorry. Edit that so it doesn't say the wrong thing. And then, you don't, what are other? Oh, children's books. Um, we just got a new one at the library that I want to check out the whole series. Have you read the like keys books? I'll have to add that, I'll add that to, to the list. It's the one we got was Little Green Peas, which is like the color one, but I think there's a counting one and an ABC one, but it's so cute. Um, and then children's film. I was surprised to hear um, Patricia mention Coco because, I mean, I guess not surprised. It's a great film, but that was what I was going to say. Um, our son just like, randomly became obsessed with it when he was like 18 months old we just like let him watch it and it just stuck and it's still his favorite like he's just the music everything about it he's like very I mean he's 
expanded to other movies now, but that was definitely like the one he wanted to watch for a long time. So it's, a, and we love it too. So Coco, Popo, as he says, he can't say his C's. <laughs> Popo. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to share? Um, anything else I'd like to share? No, just thank you to you. This has been awesome. Um, it's been inspiring to hear from everyone. And I realize you put a lot of time into this and, um, I hope that you're enjoying doing it because we really appreciate it. So <laughs> I know it's a lot of work. Ah, it's not that much. <laughs> um, but it's been great. And thank you to everyone who has done this so far. I've enjoyed hearing from you and, um, inspired to reconnect in any way we can. Yeah, do, who's your, who's the closest Peace Corps volunteer to you? Do you know? Um, well, Ian lives with me, but um, no. Uh, let's see, I don't know if there's anyone in the like Chicago or Minneapolis area. I mean, we saw a lot of people in Portland, like pretty frequently, and um, I think there are a couple um, modes. 16ers maybe that are in Madison that we've heard about that I don't know them I think Ian has met them and I've been bugging him to reach out there's probably a group there's probably a group of you know Peace Corps volunteers something our 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 PCV group or something the further out you get from it like I found the other day at work I like mentioned it to someone and I was like gosh I haven't like I don't think anyone here knows that I did Peace Corps and it was like such a big part of my life that I don't mention it. And so it's been really nice to like listen to these and rethink about that time that and like reflect back like that was important. I should talk about it more. <laughs> Maybe um, bring it up. I went back and read a bunch of emails that I had sent. I had read some of my journal as well. Uh, it was a lot of stuff that there is stuff in there that if someone would have told me, I would have said that never happened to me. Like, I completely <laughs> forgot about it. It was very interesting to read like my blog about training and stuff. And just like, especially because once you get away from training, then you like forget about training and then it's all your service. And it's like, wow, to go back to that, that space. That was, that was long ago. <laughs> yeah. Who's going to interview you? Do you have someone? I'm not sure. I think uh, I thought maybe Forrest or Helen, but I'm not sure if either of them want to do it. So. Well, I can interview if you need someone. Ariel volunteered as well. But yeah, I don't know. We'll find someone. I should. I think I'm kind of saving me because I because I can do it whenever. So maybe whenever I get uh, you know, don't have anyone to interview, I'll just. Well, I'm putting the pressure on Mr. Prey over here okay. to sign up. He's going to. I mean, I'm really glad you can cut all this out if you want, but. Um, and you set the precedent. Well, when you you first mentioned it, I thought, of course, we'd do it together. Like we have all of the same, like since Peace Corps, we have the same history. But um, but then it became more. And I was curious, like, what are people doing? That's what I wanted to hear about. And I was going to give you that feedback at the beginning. And then I was listening to them and I was like, man, I just really like hearing about the actual Peace Corps experience a lot more. And I realized like Ian and I have, we may shared a lot while we were there, but our experiences were so different and like we're different people. So I'm glad to have gotten to just kind of talk about my, my time there. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for making the time. Oh, and thank you. It is getting late for me, so I should get going. Okay, well, well take care. Tell, tell Ian you. I say hello. I will. Let's keep in touch. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you. Hey, most fan. This is Shane from Mo16, Shamoyu. James was very generous to give me a minute here to speak about Friends of Mozambique, which is a 501c3 nonprofit founded by Mo's RPCVs is a way of continuing to make a positive impact in Mozambique post-Peace Corps service. The most important thing that we do is fund small grants to community groups in Mozambique. Projects have ranged from everything from teaching girls to code 
to youth empowerment through soccer. As a small organization, we are very intentional about choosing small, always less than $1,500, but impactful projects to get the most bang for our donors' buck. The best thing about Friends of Moe's is that 100% of donations go directly to projects in Mozambique. We have essentially zero overhead and have a great board, including former country director Carl Swartz, Peace Corps staff Ophelia Shuva, and uh, several RPCDs who you may know. If you want to learn more about Friends of Moe's, go to friendsofmozambique.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We're not on the TikTok yet, but maybe one day. You can learn more about our projects and make a donation if you are able. We guarantee your donations will be making a huge impact in Mozambique. Um, thanks, everyone. Estamos juntos.